We all know that when it comes to relationships, marriage, it's a bumpy ride. Now let's make it even bumpier when one or both partners have ADHD. I was over the moon when Melissa Orlov, a relationship expert, agreed to come on my show and talk about this specific topic. She is the founder of ADHDmarriage.com, is a marriage consultant, a top expert in how ADHD affects relationships, and an award-winning author of two books, The ADHD Effect on Marriage and The Couple's Guide to Thriving with ADHD. Her very popular couples seminar has helped many struggling couples turn their relationship around. She has blogged on ADHDmarriage.com and Psychology Today and has been interviewed by the New York Times, CNN, Today, Us News, and The World Report, and also CBS, among many others. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Melissa Orlov. Let's get into it. Welcome to Proudly ADHD at work and in business. I am your host, Coach Kathy Rashidian, and I help professionals like you understand the science behind your unique brain so you can unlock that inner genius. Ready to transform your ADHD into your best asset? Keep listening. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today, I have the honor and the pleasure of speaking with Melissa Orlov. I picked up her book a while ago when I was diagnosed with ADHD and the topic of marriage and relationships and ADHD. Over the years, I have read many books on relationships and there was just something that never made sense for me in these books until I picked up her book and I was like, oh my God, there it is. So as as you've been listening to my episodes, I usually am focused on professionals, entrepreneurs. Today, we're going to go a little different. We're going to talk about relationships because it's the elephant in the room and it keeps coming up. It comes up in my coaching conversations. So who better than an expert in the field? Welcome, Melissa. Thanks so much, Kathy. So let's get into it. Let's paint a picture around this scenario. And then we'll, from there we go, wherever this conversation is going to lead us. Entrepreneurs who have ADHD and running a successful business and their non-ADHD partner feels like they, they, they want to contribute to their business a little bit more. They want to be, they're seeing areas of, oh, there's great potential in you, Johnny or Susie, if you only would do this. And this happens a lot where the, the business owner who's ADHD gets frustrated by their non-ADHD partner. And I'm sure you've come across this. Can you talk about this, please, a little bit more? Well, so it's interesting what you're suggesting is actually part of a larger pattern. So just as a one minute of background, couples impacted by adult ADHD have very predictable patterns in their relationships that are based upon the presence of the symptoms and the symptomatic behaviors, and then also the non-ADHD partner's responses to those behaviors. And so there's because the patterns are predictable, you can also, there are also specific things you can do to, to help make things better, which is the good news, but it is pretty common. I've had a whole bunch of entrepreneurs that I have worked with over the years, and it's pretty common that a more organized non-ADHD partner will stand up and say, look, I can see how crazy your business is during the days, because, and particularly now, because people are working at home. And a little organization will go a long way to make you a lot more efficient and make your business really take off. The issue is, is not so much around 
the concept of that, but around the execution of that, as well as the history within that uh, couple's relationship. Because there's this thing called parent-child dynamics, which is one of the most common patterns in these relationships. And that's where the more organized, typically non-ADHD partner starts to try to manage things around the house and manage that ADHD partner to try to get things more under control. So this is an extension of that moving into the, into the workplace. Hey, there's a lot I can do for you. I can help you be more organized. But unfortunately, typically it's a very difficult union of efforts, both because of the background in the relationship where there's a great deal of resentment and anger, typically that this relationship dynamic creates, but also because the non-ADHD partner then often tries to impose non-ADHD ways of doing things on an ADHD partner whose brain works completely differently. So it's often very much fraught with issues. And then because it's fraught with issues, the non-ADHD partner will get frustrated and say, you know, I don't understand why you can't just do it this way. <laughs> and the ADHD partner will be like, stop bossing me around. You know, this is my business. And so it, it adds tension to the relationship rather than making the business move forward. That's not always the case, but it often is. So what do we do? Because everything you said is like, <laughs> yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> What's one oh. tip? Okay. Well, so there are a bunch of different things. I'm working with a couple uh, right now, as a matter of fact, he's the entrepreneur. He's a serial entrepreneur. He does, has great ideas, doesn't make a lot of money off of it because he's got sort of some, he doesn't really want to deal with the money stuff. That's the hardest thing for him to deal with. Mm-hmm. He's very organized with the money side of stuff and she'd like to help him out, but she's very frustrated because he's so concerned about not wanting to engage with the money that, that he sort of puts her off. There's always something that feels more interesting or more rewarding, which, mm. is, which are two things that drive ADHD behavior. And, and then they get into fights over, over the money stuff and it's a lot of pressure. They finally agreed that they would limit the amount of time that these conversations would take. So she's just trying to figure out, you know, who is it that I should send this invoice to or whatever. It's a lot of detail stuff. And so, and he was, he did not, he dreaded their conversations. He didn't know how long they were going to go on. He didn't know what they were going to be about. He was going to feel badly that he hadn't taken care of it or angry that she was quote unquote getting on his case. So they decided to do five minute meetings and set a timer where they would, she would figure out ahead of time, what is the most important stuff I need? She'd say, okay, five minutes. And she would rattle off the stuff to him and and then go from there. Another option Um, for them that they've talked about is putting stuff in writing ahead of time, which is more work for her. So a little harder for her to do, but would allow him to prepare. But he prefers to do the off the cuff stuff anyway. So the five minute meetings seem to be working. And the only issue for them then is how many five minute meetings do they need? Two a week. You know, if he stays right on task and it's only five minutes, he can probably put up with it. And so that's been working pretty well for them. I have another set of clients where the ADHD entrepreneurial person, same situation. She's trying to help him get organized. His style is very chaotic. Mm-hmm. And so, and also he has a hard time, which many people with ADHD have paying attention to what's most important. It's not a very hierarchical brain. It's more of a respond to what's in the moment brain. And so he puts things off that are important and doesn't do things that are, that, you know, he pays attention to what's immediate or interesting. 
um, which makes his day more chaotic. Mm -hmm. And so she's been trying to help organize him. Their approach actually has been that he has decided to work on, on calming some of the anxiety issues and some of the emotional issues that he's bringing to his work and understanding that his very ping-pongy way of doing things is related to his ADHD. So he's actually going, you know what, this is actually an ADHD issue. I'm going to start dealing with some of the ADHD issues. And then she's trying her hardest to support him while he does that. So without creating a situation where he becomes inflamed or there are, you know, he makes, she makes things worse. So it's an interesting balance, but they, so they took a completely different approach, which was, I hey, love it all. Work on. <laughs> I love it all because what I'm hearing out of that is intentional conversations with structure and purpose, because God knows we can scroll and give you way too much context and, and a whole lot of stuff that you don't even need to know on a topic. So I like the five minute or thing where it's like, boom, boom, boom. I don't need the context. Just tell me what I, what you want me to do. And, and off we go. And it also organizes their brain and, and what they need to give to the other person. So that's brilliant. And also, I love what you said about the, this, the science, the neurology, which is, I think this is the best part of the work you do. And, and what I do with my clients is understand when it's an ADHD brain wiring thing versus when it's you getting in your own way, it's your own mindset and the way you've been. So I, I love how you're weaving those in there. Well, it's interesting. I mean, uh, when you've been doing something the same way for 40 years, it mm -hmm. feels quote unquote normal. And for you, it is normal. So that's not to say that it's abnormal. For you, it is the norm. But that doesn't mean it's the most efficient thing for your business. And so the, the, one of the issues when couples are dealing with these business issues is, is there's this conflict that has built up again, typically with the parent-child dynamics, where the ADHD partner is saying, don't tell me what to do. It's worked just fine for me all these years. And you're the problem because you're trying to interfere with the process that works fine for me. And, and so the, one of the tricks is to get the couple onto the same page where you can say, okay, look, you both want your finances to be easier than this. You are on, you have the same goal. So we're going to experiment with some different strategies that you can use to start to get over some of the obstacles. And you don't like finance, so and your wife is good at it, so she's got some good ideas. She's not trying to control you. She's not trying to be your boss. She doesn't want to be involved in your business, in fact. She's just doing it because she wants to pay for the food. So, you know, it's if you can bring the partners onto this into a place where they see that they have the same goal yeah easier rather than it feeling like a threat and it also is is they're learning a different way to self-advocate of here's why it is the way it is so that there's more compassion i'm hearing in that there's more i see well, where you're coming from yeah there's a huge need to understand adhd adhd is the symptoms are frequently misunderstood generally, but also in relationships, which is easy to see when you start to get into it. You know, distractibility means that your partner's not paying attention to you. It's easy to understand how you might feel like they don't care about you anymore, when in fact it's a symptom, right? It's just that they're distracted. It doesn't have anything to do with whether they care about you. So there's a lot of, you need to really know ADHD to be able to correctly interpret what's going on. And you know, if your partner doesn't care about you, you have a big issue. If your partner's distracted, 
you can say, hey, you seem kind of distracted. Let's go on a date mm. and pay attention to each other again and start to feel like you're cared for. So you can you solve the problem completely differently if you know where it's coming from. With, on that note, can you continue with that a little bit more, please? What are some of those common themes that you see that it's misunderstood by a non-ADHD partner? Well, so there are a lot of them that are actually right at the heart of relationships, which are, are things like distractibility gets misinterpreted as your partner doesn't care for you. Impulsivity gets inter misinterpreted as your partner doesn't respect you. You know, they go off and do something impulsive or they impulsively forget of your agreement. Memory problems also can seem like they don't respect you or care for you. Those things are all related to ADHD. And there are more, but, and I, I have a seminar, I teach couples and this is one of the things I cover in it because, and the first thing, because you need to understand, you also need to know the, the mind works completely differently. Mm -hmm. So the, the ADHD brain is kind of a reward focused brain. It responds to things that are stimulating, things that are rewarding, things that feel good. It's not as good at putting, doing something that feels really bad right now for a longer term thing. This has to do with executive functioning and et cetera. So it's why when you're in college, you go to a party instead of studying for your exam that's coming up the next day, right? It's the same thing. What's an um, example of that scenario? Sorry to, to interrupt you. What, how do you see that show up in a relationship what you were just talking about? Well, going back to this couple with the, with the money, five minute money thing, mm -hmm. right? It feels so bad for this person, this guy, to in, engage on topics around money because it, it hits, A, he's disinterested in it completely. B, it hits areas of shame for him and other stuff. So it feels really bad. So he'll do just about anything other than that you know, and, and feel very good about it. You know, I got all these calls to make, all this stuff. Meanwhile, his wife can't, can't pay the bills because she needs to be able to get the income from his business stuff. And he's just sort of not engaging with it. I had a lawyer I worked with once who had a pretty big business, but he didn't, he wasn't good at staying organized enough to bill out his hours. Mm -hmm. So his, his family, literally these bills would become so old that he could no longer collect them. He was just giving away thousands and thousands of dollars because he didn't want to engage with this task that it was so difficult for him. Yeah. And of course, the solution for that is hire somebody to do it for you so you don't have to engage with it. And delegation can be a good response unless you're delegating everything to your partner. Then mm -hmm. it's not a good response because then the partner becomes totally overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And, and that what you just said, that example about not invoicing... I see it all the time, money left on the table all the time. And these entrepreneurs are successful. They're good. They forget to invoice. And actually, in fact, that has happened to me once already where I forgot to invoice somebody. So, well, you know, about that. And it's not because they're not good. They're not good at what they do. It's because that's not in their wheelhouse. Yep. When you yep. think about people, people with, I like to think of people, sort of, if you think of it like a person, like a, a circle or an amoeba or something like that. People with ADHD are, have big spikes and indents on their talents. Like some things they're really good at and they, and they can really get into it. And, and if they are in that space, they just sing. And then there are some things because of this probably reward focused brain and the symptoms of ADHD that they're really not good at. And when they get into that space, everything freezes up. 
And so it's important to accept that that's okay. You don't have to be good at everything. You can be fabulous at an idea, at idea generation and be a terrible person on getting the invoicing out. And that's okay. You just have to recognize that it's there and, and allow another way to get that thing done, mm-hmm. which is the five minute routine with this couple is one of it, that one way to do that. But they're, you know, hiring a bookkeeper is another or other things. I've, I've run into, I ran into a guy who was in, in uh, money. He was in private equity. He was the head of his own firm and his weak spot was delegation. And it had nothing to do with whether he trusted the people he was trying to delegate to and everything to do with disorganization. He never was organized enough to be able to say, okay, so here's the thing I need you to do. And here are the five pieces of backup that you need. So he just did it all himself because it was an organizational issue. Absolutely. He hired a coach to help him a set priorities, which he also wasn't good at and B figure out the organizational stuff so that he could delegate. Not so he could do it himself, but so he could delegate to other people who were perfectly competent and whom he liked. Yeah, and and I like that what, what you were saying because what one of the one of the reasons I I wanted you on this show was once we figure out the brain, and then there's all these different buckets of our life that needs to also be addressed. So you know you could be working with a coach on this part but then there's the relationship part it, it is all connected it is all we're, we're one human being being at all so yeah. i i like that of it'll you fix one thing another one you'll see the ripple effects and it automatically kind of come to life i want to ask you about so let's switch gears to someone who's in the corporate setting really successful so and and they're thriving in their work they're climbing the corporate ladder doing amazing things they know how to lead a team they're, they're good at all of that stuff but the minute they walk into that house something shifts and then the partner's like what about us what's going on here what are some of the examples or cases that you like to share on this topic well so i mean one of the pretty common questions that i get asked or or statements i should say actually that i hear is from a successful business person who says, well, look, I'm really successful. I'm really successful. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I do really well. And so, and I've, and I was fine when I lived on my own also, but when I, now I've got this partner or this family and, and I can never do anything right for them. It's, and I think it's them. I don't think it's me. I'm really successful. I did fine on my own. The difference is now I'm married to this other person or partnered with this other person. And so they must be the problem. It's my partner's anger uh, mm-hmm. or my partner's frustration, right? So first of all, and, and sometimes therapists will say the same thing. It, it infuriates me when a person who is a doctor is asked about ADHD and they find out that somebody is successful and they say, oh, well, you can't have ADHD because you're so successful. It shows a complete ignorance of yes. it makes me a crazy person it has yes. nothing to do with whether you're successful or not successful or smart or stupid or anything else so you know so the the issue here is a it's not just the partner it's how you're interacting and what the environment is so adhd again it's all about the things you re- that really turn you on when you get into flow or you're really good at something or whatever, there's a positive reinforcing cycle with that, mm-hmm. that makes you do more of it. it it's rewarding. So ADHD is about 
dopamine, lack of dopamine in the brain, right? Yeah. The reward system is also fed by dopamine. And if you don't have enough dopamine, you seek reward. Mm-hmm. And so when I say it's a reward focused brain, that it's actually a physiological issue. So when you come home, you have the work environment, it's really structured, you're in charge, people give you all sorts of positive feedback, you're, you get, you're doing what you're really interested in. I mean, I'm assuming these are the yes of your workplace, right? You, and and you're, you're sort of a master of the universe. You come home, it's unstructured. There's all this really boring stuff that is really not much fun to do. It is, there's emotional content other than, hey, you are amazing. The emotional content is, why aren't you getting this thing done? I don't get it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> not Maybe not said in quite that way, but, or maybe, and, and you're tired lots of times, right? But it's a really, the home environment is completely different from the work environment, and it does not support ADHD characteristics. It's the opposite. It's that it's the things that aren't rewarding. I had a, somebody I know say to me this summer, why would I want to do chores? Chores are boring. They never get done. They're really unrewarding. I mean, why would I possibly want to do those? And I thought, well, okay, that's actually very logical, mm-hmm. particularly if you have a reward focused brain. But the answer to that is because you're an adult and you need to do some chores to take some responsibility. Otherwise, the, how, the person who's in the household is just your slave. Right? Yeah. And that's not fair. You don't sign up in a, in a marital contract to say, yeah, I'm going to be the person who does everything for you. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, my husband and my husband's one of these very, very, very smart guys who has ADHD. He's been quite successful. And, and we had lots of conversations as we were going through our lives together about what he should do around the the house, particularly when we had kids and there's more stress in the household and Mm -hmm. also more boring things that need to be done. And he used to say, you know, you don't give me enough credit for all that I earn. And I said, you're right. That's true. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not saying to you every day, Hey, thank you. I really do appreciate it. I understand the benefits to all of us, but I also am what I'm focused on. And the most immediate impact on me is the fact that it feels as if work gets all of your attention Yep. And I get none. Not only do I get none, I actually get pushback when I ask for input. I'm getting negative feedback saying you don't want to do it or you can't do it or just, you know, and this is where misinterpretation of ADHD symptoms come in before you know about the ADHD or just it doesn't seem as if you care enough. And in fact, it was it wasn't rewarding enough. And so it was a symptom. Mm-hmm. But it came across to me like you just don't care. You actually expect me to be your personal slave. Mm-hmm. And that's where the hard feelings start to come forward. Oh, that was just like, I, I am hearing so many of my friends, my clients, myself in all of that that you just said, that is like big one. So let's go back to they're coming in home. It's not interesting. And also if you're high achieving, if you're just going, going all day, there's really not much brain juice left. You just need to crash. And I remember those days in my corporate life where I would just come home, I'd be like, done. Like, don't even, I wouldn't even get on a phone call with a loved one. I just didn't want to deal with the world. So what are some of the things that that individual can do to kind of recalibrate themselves a little bit so that they can contribute to the family? Because we can't justify and be like, okay, you're ADD. That's it. That your shift is done. No, you can't. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, so a few things, first of all, 
sometimes people with ADHD are really, really worn out in the workplace because they have to expend extra energy to compensate for their ADHD. So getting a coach to help them with the workplace can be very helpful in terms of lessening that stress. There is a transition period between work and home. It used to be that people would take a half an hour car ride and listen to the music and whatever, and that would help with the transition. In COVID times, not at all. They're still at home, you know, they yes. walk to the next room. So I think you need to really think about what is that transition? What, what do I need to regenerate? You know, back in the 50s, it might be having a martini, maybe not so much now. But what do I need? And, and both partners need to understand that that transition is often necessary just to re-put your mind into a new place. There are other things that you can do to generate energy. One is, so a bunch, I'll give you a few. If you take medication for ADHD, you can get booster medications in the afternoon, low dose, short acting medications in the afternoon that will take you through till hopefully about 8 p.m. or something like that. So you, the transition isn't so hard, dinner's not so hard, et cetera. That's one thing. Another is exercise. You can use it tactically to gain energy and, and improve mood and gain focus. So that's another thing. If you have the time to do that, and you may not, depending upon who you are. The other thing I talk with couples about is, is, is how they enter and how they are received. I think it's very important for the person who has been at home to have a positive, non-judgmental and, and non-aggressive isn't quite the right thing, but non-needy stance, you know, so glad to see you or how was your day or something positive before they delve into a continuation of all the stressors of their own days, which either come from their own job or from being at home with kids or whatever the situation is. Understanding that, that this transition is much more pleasant if both people meet each other after work in a way that's designed and thoughtfully positive. Yeah, it's like just give each other a 20 second hug and just love each other for a little bit. <laughs> that works. That would be great, you know, if that's what you want to do. And you'd be amazed how many people don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, 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 it's a little thing. I would also add to the sleep. People with ADHD often have very bad sleep habits, partially physiologically and partially because they get distracted and stay up too late and don't get enough sleep. But that makes a huge difference in terms of the amount of energy that you have to approach your life in general, your work and your home life. So focusing in on that is, and, and I have a sleep worksheet that I share with people that is about, you know, what the science says about how to get better sleep and, and et cetera. Um, awesome. Is, yeah. I, I've noticed that even with myself is the days where I'm not sleeping very well, the next day, oh, it affects everything, everything. So it's just become a habit now to know the benefits of it's one thing to want to stay up late because if you have kids and it's like, oh, this is my time for me. But then it, on the other side of it, the next day, I feel all sorts of yuckiness about it. So it's not worth it. You also don't function very well. So lack of sleep, sleep deprivation makes ADHD symptoms much more severe. And that's not just at home, that's everywhere. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a big deal. It, you have to, you really do have to strive for a absolute bare minimum is seven hours of sleep a night. That's bare minimum. Seven and a half is better for an adult. So if you're not getting that, you, you have to figure out how to get it. You have to create some kind of routine yeah. 
Yeah. And that irritability, I find for me, it's the irritable side. Just, oh, it's like, don't even come near me. So on the note of irritability and our last thing before we, before we part here, Melissa, because I could talk to you forever. This is so awesome. I want to talk about being on the receiving end of a criticism that I, we might get from a partner that's non-ADHD and you know, we get all sorts of triggers. It's like, oh, you're telling me what to do. And oh, you just rolled your eyes. There it is. And all because I, I think with our emotional regulation and all the, the stuff that we haven't resolved or learned about, it's, it's that the first thing that comes out of their mouth, we're just like, lid is flipped. We're done. We're not even hearing them. So this is every couple I have ever worked with has this issue. And it goes in both directions, but primarily it go, it, the, the primary transmission of it where people are talking about it is, is the non-ADHD says something that's, that is irrit, irrit, irritable or is a criticism. Ned Hallowell has a word for it. He calls it the constant critique. And lots of times these things that are said that feel critical are not meant to be critical, but are underpinned by a frustration or a, a, a critical sense and the non-ADHD partner actually doesn't realize they're doing it in a critical way. I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes you know you just crapped on your partner and that's that. But, but they'll say something like, I, I was just on a call actually with somebody who said, my partner, when I'm talking with him, he'll get up and walk out of the room. And so I asked him, so what am I going to have to do so I don't see your back? Now, <laughs> what she meant, what she, what, so she was mad, right? But she wasn't acknowledging her own anger. And so she thought of that as a question to, to, to ask him, what do I need to do so you won't leave, right? But how he heard it correctly was it was a critique because of the way it was said. And people can say things even like, you know, why don't you sort the, the laundry into three, three sets of colors so that the reds won't run? Yeah. Right? And they view it as helpful information. And what it is, is it's a critique. And what, how the ADHD partners hear it after a lifetime of hearing things like, you know, Kathy would, would do so well if she would only try harder mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, from people they care about is, you know, you're telling me to sort the laundry a certain way because you don't think I'm smart enough to do it. You don't like the way I've done it in the past. I mean, it's a, it's a, it feels like a personal attack. Yes. And as a result, people with ADHD are highly sensitive to even a sniff of a criticism. And when you get into things like eye rolling, eye rolling is so contemptuous that it's actually one of the predictors of divorce. Mm. So it's tightly tied to, to contempt. So again, when you're working with couples, if the, a lot of this is going on, it's important for the non-ADHD partner to understand why these things sound critical, why they are not just sounding critical, but actually are critical and where it's coming from in them and how to communicate what they're trying to communicate, which is, gee, it really disturbs me when you walk out of the room and I'm just saying something important. That's what she's really trying to, to say, but she's not saying it the right way, right? The woman who's, who's worried about her husband walking out. So you need, you need to confront the non-ADHD partner contribution. You need to find new ways to state the thing that you're trying to say if you're the non-ADHD partner. And simultaneously, the ADHD partner needs to acknowledge that, yes, indeed, they are, in fact, very highly sensitive to criticism for good reason, and that they also have to work on that side of things. And typically what works best, because this is so ingrained, 
in many people with ADHD is setting up some kind of a verbal cue or some kind of a backup where if the partner starts to become inflamed, the ADHD partner, that the couple can move away from it and that the non-ADHD partner's concern can be heard at another time, that they mm, will good actually one. come back to it. So anyway, it's kind of a complicated interaction, but it's a really important one because the criticisms are so embedded in these relationships. And, and so is chronic frustration, which is part of why. But Yeah, and I love everything you just said, because honestly, like, I've been in relationship therapy, I've, I've, the, I've done all of those, but when you talk to an expert that can understand the brain wiring of, of one of those individuals, or even if both of them have ADHD, oh my God, I can't even imagine. It, it really helps when you talk to someone like you that can kind of just really unravel it and be like, here's this part, here's this part, here's this, and this is why. And I'm one of those people that once you give me the logical and facts behind things, I'm like, okay, I'm bought in. Let's go. What do we need to do? So thank (laughs) you so much from the bottom of my heart. This was amazing. And I'm pretty sure people are going to message me and say, why didn't you keep talking to her? But I'm also (laughs) respecting people's time and their attention span. Thank you so much, Melissa. How can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? What are you doing these days? Where do we sign up for for whatever it is you're doing? (laughs) Well, so the easiest way to get hold of me is at my website, where I have a ton of information for couples impacted by ADHD. It's at uh, www.adhdmarriage.com. You don't have to be married to go there. but And I also have a number of programs. My probably most uh, well-known program is my, my couples seminar. It's uh, nine weeks by phone. Actually, this week I'm going to try Zoom webinars, but anyway, virtual, virtually. And it's very good. I've been giving it for over a decade and, uh, and improving it all along. It's great. So it really helps couples see what's going on, interpret things correctly. And then you can also send me questions through the contact form. I try to get to all of those. And I also, at the moment with COVID, and I know this will be on probably online for a long time, but during COVID, I'm doing free virtual office hours. So you can just come and get, grab the phone number and call me. And I will answer questions during one of these office hours things for folks. So my objective is to be as available to people as possible. I'm, I'm currently not taking on new clients <laughs> as for couples work because I'm working on a professional training program for, because just what you just said is true. You really need to work with somebody who understands ADHD. If you have it in your relationship, it's yeah. really important. And there are very few of us out there who really know what it's about and and are well-trained. So I'm about to try to solve that problem. So that's my next big problem. Well, that's great because let me know so I can sign up. (laughs) Because every time, every time I have people saying, do you do relationship coaching? I'm like, no, you go to Melissa. Here's her book, here's her website. So thank you so much, Melissa. This is again, tremendous. Thank you. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. So folks, if I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you got some amazing insights. I got some a whole lot for, uh, for me even. And um, until next time, keep on shining. This episode was brought to you by my very first online lesson called Six Factors That Impact Your Productivity. I'm excited to be launching this and sharing this with you. So if you are struggling with productivity in your tasks and your day-to-day managing of the tasks, I encourage you to go into the show notes and click on the link on the mini course. It's about 20 minutes long where you get to learn 
the six factors that have a direct influence in the way you show up at work and the way you go about your tasks. It's about 20 minutes long. It comes with a worksheet and you can listen along and work along with it. And it's one of those tools that is really powerful, simple, but yet powerful and practical and put it into use right away. So head over to the show notes and get access to the free mini lesson from my website. See you there.